Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. By nature, I'm very shy. I'm a dreamer, um, huge imagination. And my backstory is I was a horribly bullied kid. Um, and so as I was that horribly bullied kid, I, um, I developed this imagination both to cope and survive. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, parents, and mentors like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jen Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make and have fun doing it. Your personality is your business, so let's get down to business. Today I'm chatting with Shelly Varela. Shelly is the host of the Yes Effect podcast, and I want to link in the show notes her YouTube video that's the trailer to her podcast because it beautifully shows her backstory of how Shelly went from an anxious kid who thought she didn't matter to an international speaker. And I want to quote a snippet of the video of the video to introduce her right now. So in the video, she says, while the world knows me as a fire captain, author, TEDx speaker, and a Forbes featured podcast host, what I really am is a possibilities hacker. So join me and let's listen in on how Shelly unboxes her personality through awareness and balancing herself and watch the light bulb start going off as she learns about the Enneagram for the first time. Welcome to the show, Shelly. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm so excited um, that you're here. Before I 
go off on a tangent of how excited I am. Um, could you please tell the listeners who is Shelly Varela? What do you believe in and how do you share that with others to serve them? You got it. Well, that's a loaded question. My name is Shelly Varela. What I believe is that anything is possible. And so I call myself a story alchemist and a possibility hacker. And um, what I do is I help people uncover their inner stories so they can change the narrative and tell the world the story that they want them to hear. And so that looks like a couple things. It looks like um, hacking possibility and really getting under the hood of what it is that holds you back so that you can go out there and, you know, just kind of like give that those limiting beliefs a quarter turn. And it's almost like finding the first domino. Uh, and then the other thing I do with the other half of story is I teach coaches, authors, speakers, entrepreneurs, how to combine voice, voice, truth, possibility, and story so that they obliterate their com uh, competition and also just um, allow their voices to be heard and resonate with the audiences that so need their messages. Yes. I love that. I love that because you're a master at really helping people find out what's unique to them, what their voice is and what their possibility is. <sighs> that kind of gets me a little excited. <laughs> well, you know, like I'm, I'm a third generation storyteller, but the way I like to explain it is I have indigenous heritage and in native American culture, they have what they call the talking stick. And the idea is that you pass around the talking stick in circle and whoever is holding the talking stick has the floor and everybody else has to hear them until they're done. And it's almost like today's modern day microphone. And then the other part of, of Native American culture is the idea of original medicine. And your original medicine is that gift, that one thing that you're put here to, to share. And if, if, it's, uh, if it's not shared by you, because it's unique to you, everybody has their own. If it's not shared by you, then it will be lost for all time and the world will never get the gift of that. Uh, blessing that you have. Yes. I love that idea. It's almost like if you don't give the world your original medicine, the original medicine that's going to heal somebody, somebody's dying. <laughs> and yeah, it's literally or figuratively. Yeah. Figuratively. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's who wants to be in charge of that. Nobody wants to be in charge of that. <laughs> so, um, the name of this podcast is called Unbox Your Personality. And I am curious, when you hear that, what does that mean to you? Well, I think um, when we go back to like societal norms, we have, uh, we have things that are affected us. Like my definition of story is it's a snapshot in time, your perspective in that snapshot and what you make it mean. And it's always, always the meaning that drives the story. So as we journey through life and we have like these thousand grains of sand that, that their experiences, their things we notice, there are family heritage, just like, you know, millions and millions of these grains of sand, it kind of shapes who we are and who we be and our perspective on how we see things. And, and I'm sure to a certain degree, you know, our nervous system and how we're nature versus nurture. And so when you say unbox your personality, I think, um, I think there is an epidemic of people being not in alignment with who they actually are, but rather doing what they quote unquote should do or shouldn't do, or trying to emulate what society deems to be successful. And oftentimes um, we're efforting so hard to, to, um, to be what society wants us to be. And yet still, we still feel like empty and hollow inside. Mm. And so 
oftentimes it's like fighting an uphill battle when when you talk about unbox your personality i think you know it's just to to get to the root and the truth of who you actually be and then use your your natural gifts as rocket fuel how close was i so in alignment with what i teach <laughs> <laughs> and truthfully it's close to it's it's not really necessarily need to need to be close to what i believe but the closer it is to what you believe, the more power it, you're going to pack with, with how you interpret what unboxing your personality means for you. Um, the more I ask that question of other people, the more I'm seeing a pattern though. Mm-hmm. So thank you for just kind of adding more data that, that lights me up when I see that, Ooh, you get me. <laughs> you are my well- people. Well, I also think when you're, when you're working with your true gifts, with your true gifts or with your, your natural personality, there are times when, you know, our nervous systems are wired a certain kind of way. And when we're being incongruent to who we actually are, our body never lies. And we get those cues and those clues. Um, But when we are in alignment with who we're supposed to be, when we're working with our personality and not against it, all of a sudden things become not so effortful. And they, they feel flowy, they feel easy. Um, and the manifestation of that is a number of things. You'll find you're procrastinating less, you'll find you're less tired, you'll find you're full of energy. And it's just because you're working with who you are and who you are meant to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I have a question about you personally as Shelly. What do you know about your personality that sometimes holds you back? And how have you overcome that? Mm, That's a great question. So I am by nature, um, a hard introvert. Um, I'm, I'm by nature, I'm very shy. I'm a dreamer, um, huge imagination. And my backstory is I was a horribly bullied kid. Um, And so as I was that horribly bullied kid, I, um, I developed this imagination, both to cope and survive. And while at the time it seemed like a detriment, as I journeyed through time, I realized that it, I had this ability to see the unseen. So, um, so for me, I am, you know, I'm, I'm highly creative. I'm deeply imaginative. Uh, I would say innovative in that I like to create, you know, if I feel something and see it and I feel it strongly, I'm very attuned to my body and, and whether this is a heck yes, or whether it's a hard no, um, and, and some of the most amazing things I've created in my life have been as a result of tuning in, feeling whether that's not, that's true or not. Um, and then going and following them. Now where that becomes a bit of a challenge to your point is I do find when I'm around others, um, my energy drains for sure. And also I don't have a clear picture or I can't hear my true clear voice as well when I'm around others. And it almost I would call it, if if nothing else, I would call it intimidation. Um, and I find when I remove myself from a group of people, I can exhale, my nervous system recalibrates, and I can hear my voice again. And so so when I'm in a group of people, sometimes, you know, if the group of people are like, well, we think this or we think that, and it's like, I can still think what I think, but I, but I find that, um, that it's easy to get caught up in the group mentality. And but the interesting thing also is that when I do that, I can feel my energy drain. Mm-hmm. 
And so when I, when I, when I'm able to be quiet and be by myself, it's like, okay, there we go. So I've, for myself, I've just noticed when do I need to remove myself? And I've noticed to really pay attention to when I'm feeling um, like my cup is full, when I'm feeling like my battery is drained and really just sort of pay attention to that because I do have a deep knowing of which path to take. And so it's just making sure that that channel is clear. It's great that you have that self-awareness. It's, it almost gives you a defense. Um, I don't want to say excuse because that's kind of what I'm against, <laughs> but it gives you, a, it gives you a reason um, that's not an excuse. It's, it's an explanation. That's a better word. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it, it explains why you're wired the way that you are wired. And our personality is about coping and surviving. It's a, my definition of personality is your pattern of behaviors that helps you get it's a means to get what you want or to avoid what you don't want. Mm-hmm. And there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. And so for someone who's not a hard introvert, it's a, it's just a different path. We're just all mm-hmm. different. I am curious though, um, with this superpower that you have to see the unseen, is that draining for you or is that energy giving? Yeah, a thousand percent energy giving. Yeah. So I'm a, like I said, I'm a, I'm a daydreamer. I'll go on walks and I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll see the thing. And um, my backstory, I went from um, a 108 pound manicurist to my city's first female firefighter in 1,162 days. And the reasons that that is relevant to this conversation is um, I had this sort of chance meeting with a friend who was a firefighter and, and my entire life, I was an artist. That's what kind of the world labeled me. And that's what I deemed myself as well. And, um, and he, uh, he was talking about the fire department and, and I realized that I had this natural mechanical aptitude and I corrected him on a detail because I came sort of, I became a student of his teachings and I corrected him on something, uh, probably about six months after knowing him. And he turns to me and says, why don't you just apply? And so, uh, long story short, um, every single night before I would go to bed, I would practice feeling what it would feel like when I got the phone call that I was hired. And so the, you know, the journey was long and tumultuous and all of that, but it's kind of like in your body, you know what you know, like you know it. Mm-hmm. And just, I think one of my superpowers is able, being able to tune out all of the things that, that aren't true and listen to the calling of, is this true for me or not? Um, whether or not it, p- other people deem it to be possible, but is this true for me? Absolutely. And you know, I love that you said that you practiced because sometimes when things come hard to us, it's so easy to say, well, it just must not be for me because it didn't come easy. Mm -hmm. I I can't do that. I tried it once. It didn't happen, but we, we forget that we didn't come into this world knowing how to walk. We didn't say, oh, that I fell this walking thing isn't for me. <laughs> Get up, you dumb baby. Right. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but you practice being aware of yourself. It doesn't just come to us. Not all personalities. Some personalities, it's a 
easier journey, but for most it's not. And so um, I love that you use that word practice. So how has unboxing your personality, how do you feel like it has impacted others in a way that you couldn't have imagined? So, um, so again, going back to the beginning of my story, I was a shy, introverted, bullied kid. Um, I, I struggled and clawed my way to become a firefighter. And I was really reluctant to tell that story, but I kept getting asked about it all of the time because I was the first female hire. And so I was in all of the news and media and all that kind of stuff. And so I kept getting asked about my story again and again and again. And one day a lady says to me, and I was reluctant because it's like, I just felt confronted and it didn't feel comfy. But a lady says to me this one day, she says, thank you so much for sharing your story because I see myself in your story. And I thought there were things that I couldn't do, but now I'm going to go do them. And in that moment, I realized like, wow, like my story actually has nothing to do with me. Mm. So what I've done is I've used my story um, and started looking back at the breadcrumbs of what did I actually do? Because everybody's asking me about this, like everybody can't be interested for no reason. And so I came up with this sort of not formula, but I just really kind of did some soul searching and looked at what did I actually do? And some of it was um, just innate to my personality and some of it wasn't. But what I've used my personality for is to be an example of possibility, to be an example of not knowing how to do it, to be an example of being the underdog, to be an example of having something that you want so bad and everybody around you doubting you. Um, and so just just letting others know that it is possible and there is a way to, to, you know, like not just get what you want, but to fulfill your soul's calling. Yeah. And that when other people don't see the same vision that you do, it doesn't mean you're wrong. In fact, it might be the clue that you're on the right path. Because nothing that's ever been invented for the first time existed before that. So why not you? Why wouldn't you be the next person to climb Everest? Why wouldn't you be the next person to start that podcast, you know, get a seven figure business? Why wouldn't you be the person to become the first female firefighter? Like everybody, uh, every, everything that hasn't been done before or has been done before that there was the moment that it hadn't been. And why not you? Yeah. Are you feeling a bit disappointed that you haven't finished that project yet? Are the kids' schedules impacting your business? Or are the demands of your business affecting your relationships at home? Maybe you need a magic formula for that work-life balance before your fire gets so dim or it completely burns out. I've been there. There was a point in my life where I was juggling two businesses and homeschooling and had personal health issues. There was barely time to even connect with myself, much less connect with my husband. When I was finally officially diagnosed with ADHD, I felt like that explained everything. I had a new perspective and started approaching things in a new way. So I created a guide containing 20 tips that I personally use, and they have worked for me for helping me stay on course with my goals. Now, you might not have ADHD, but I bet you can relate to having a million distractions during the day. 
So if you're ready to stop procrastinating or stop being hard on yourself for missing yet another deadline, self-imposed or not, go ahead and download the guide at powercoachgen.com. If you just find one tip from the list that helps you move forward today, you will be so glad you took the time to read it. Go to powercoachgen.com and download the guide right now. Yes. And how does that realization of, you know, why not me? This is my path. It doesn't have to look like everybody else's path. That realization, how does that affect your everyday happiness? Well, I think it allows me to to let go of the things society tells me I should do and really kind of triple down on the stuff that I'm good at. Like the truth is we're not all good at everything. And so it gives me a certain amount of peace to know that, oh, you know, like there is, you know, instead of working against my personality and say, well, you know, I don't do things the traditional way. So if you were to compare me to somebody who is very, you know, industrialist and, and, um, and does things in a very traditional way, you might look at me and go, wow, what a free spirit. Like, I don't get you. And especially in a society where we like to quantify and qualify things, right? It's like, well, you know, first you do this and then you go to school and then you get these marks and then you get this job. And I'm like, bah, I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's going to be amazing. <laughs> um, so I, I think though, it, it really allows me instead of, instead of comparing myself to something else and go, wow, by comparison to you, I would be considered a failure. Instead, I look at what I have and I'm like, man, that's rocket fuel. fuel. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. Yeah. Because it's because it's true and it's beautiful and sometimes it's brutal and um, and the ability for me to be able to struggle and fall and struggle and have victories um, just makes it more real for other people coming behind me to say, yeah, you know, like if you're trying for something and if you have your heart set on something and if it doesn't go perfect right away, maybe it's just because you're mid hack. Maybe, you know, on your final chapter, looking back, you're like, oh, that was a blip in the road. But while you're in the blip in a road, to your point, you're like, well, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, maybe this isn't what I'm meant to do because it's not hard and it's not this and I'm not that and I'm not big enough, brave enough, smart enough, whatever. Um, but I think when you, um, when you learn to really tap into what your gifts are, it allows you to triple down on the magic that is specifically yours. Yes, absolutely. And when you can bring out the best in you, imagine what you can do for the other people. My listeners are coaches and parents and mentors. I chose mentors instead of teachers because not every teacher wants to bring out the best of others. But when you're a mentor, you, you are intimately working with other people to make them better. And nothing says imposter syndrome and feeling like you're not being your best and trying to encourage someone to be their best. So um, I think absolutely happiness has a lot, a lot to, to do with that. So what I love about um, asking you onto the podcast to be interviewed is you actually don't have a whole lot of Enneagram knowledge. Is that right? That is correct. I have, I have a mass curiosity and a very mild knowledge. <laughs> so um, my perspective on the Enneagram is a, is a little different than the, the trend that's going on right now that I, that I feel like is going on. If you go and Google, like everybody's jumped on this Enneagram train and I'm this number and I'm that number. And 
to me, that feels very boxing. It feels um, disingenuous and disrespectful to individual people and actually finding themselves. It is a vehicle uh, to wholeness. It's a vehicle to balance your your heart and your mind and your body. And so when I teach people about the Enneagram, I start off with those centers of intelligence. And, you know, we, we all have a fixation on, oh, I'm all in my head. I'm, I am a thinker. And if I am not thinking, that makes me anxious and I have like a little panic attack, maybe some butterflies are going on and I don't feel safe. Mm. So those are the, those are the types that are really fixated on their thoughts and their ideas. They're in the, I call it the head triad and then triad as in, because we have three centers of intelligence. Mm-hmm. We have the head, we have the heart and we have the gut, the gut, you know, our second brain, right? <laughs> sure. So that's what thinkers have to struggle with the people who are fixated on on their thoughts and then we have those people who are really fixated on emotions and they just kind of um, have emotional reactions and it's really centered around their image and their identity and it it brings on a sense of shame um, or maybe just embarrassment shame is a is a heavy word to me but maybe just an embarrassment, but for those who are in this heart triad, it's really prominent. Like they're very easily embarrassed, very, very easy to worry what other people think about who they are. And a lot of times it's because they don't know who they are or they, that people don't get, they don't feel seen and heard. Mm. And so that's a fixation. Now you're probably going to listen to all these and go, oh, those are all me because you are so self-aware. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about the thinkers then? So, so you, uh, you said something interesting about the emotions, right? The, the heart centered people. And, um, and I would definitely think that I would sway towards that. Um, but you said something about uh, when you were talking about the thinkers as compared to the emotional people, you said the emotional people are easily embarrassed. They they are um, they care what other people think. Do you think though that the thinkers? That's a lot of thinking. Do you, <laughs> do you think that the thinkers um, are a little bit more black and white in that it's quantified? Like they can they can prove whether something is right or wrong. So have a certain sense of ease because it's like no, I think this because and they could prove it and quantify it as opposed to the emotional people that it's a little more malleable and tangible, right? And you can't necessarily prove it, but maybe if you're somebody who's experiencing that emotion in a really strong way, you're like, "Mm, no, but I know it. Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) Um, I I knew that this was going to be tricky with you because you are so (laughs) self-aware and you are able to pick out those nuances like you did. There's a kind of a fine line between the heart centers and the gut centers. So what I heard when you were, what you were talking about, it felt like a gut reaction. Like this is, I'm just going to go with it because I'm going with my gut. Um, With the heart, it's more seeing, seeing themselves through the eyes of other people. Okay. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the gut types, so the people who are more in their body, it is more of an instinct. It's 
more like a gut instinct. It's not emotional. It's a little detached from the emotion and they're not in their heads too much. They're just doing it. Um, and, and it, it has to do with their bodies. So there's, they're not doing it because they think they should, or they feel they should. They just find themselves doing it. Um, and they, the, the emotion that's strongly associated with gut types is anger. Um, and anger can look like all sorts of things. It could just be, you know, miffed or like meh, uh, frustration, irritation, but it can also be, you know, road rage and, or something a little bit more positive, a positive spin would be passion. So someone who's very passionate about something and it's almost like when they feel that passion or they feel that fire, they can feel it in their bones. Like, mm. can their- I ask you what the difference, so what would be examples of that for the emotional people? Cause I'm vibing with you completely. So if, so if you're saying gut is, is typically like anger and irritation and the positive side of that would be passion. What might that look like in um, the emotional people? the emotion that is associated with them is shame. So it would be from a mild embarrassment all the way to just, I am so embarrassed that I am going to hide or I am going to lie and make sure that my, and that's very extreme by the way, (laughs) Um, and make sure that I am putting out the vibe I want out there, whether, whether I am truly aligned to it or not. And of course, this is all subconscious. We don't all. So is that sort of the feeling of fit in at all cost? Yeah. Almost like fake it till you make it. Okay. Well, what would be, what would be the positive side of an, of an emotional person? Uh, they're very empathetic. Mm. They are um, the emotional intelligence, uh, even for the type there. So each triad has a type that's very in touch with what I'm describing and one that's recognize it, but represses it a little. And one that is completely clueless. Like, um, I'm emotional. Surely I'm not. (laughs) Like the light, the shadow and something in between the the light, the light, the shadow and the oblivious. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so it would, it would be someone, the positive side is when they get in touch with their emotions, they're able to be a little bit more authentic and uh, getting in touch with their beliefs Mm -hmm. and understanding that that emotions aren't always facts um yeah those are good questions that's really powerful of what you said that emotions aren't always facts and so let me ask you this not to flip your interview but this is really this is really interesting to me so if you have somebody who's really emotional and reacts to say they're in a relationship, for example, and they react to something very, uh, very strongly. You're like, and maybe it's from past traumas or experience or whatever. Um, so, and I don't know if you if you do this kind of work at all. I'm just more curious. I'll ask the question. So, emotions aren't always facts. I've been hearing this a lot lately. So, what um, what do you? So, if you're coaching somebody, what would you suggest they do if they're feeling a really strong emotion? And, and to your point, like maybe it's in a relationship and they have a super strong reaction that is actually in hindsight after their emotions calm down, they look at that and go, huh, mm, I was maybe a little, a little offside or out of line. What is the tactic for those people? Usually, not always, but usually the type that gets fixated on 
on our emotions being facts is the type four. And so the tactic for the type four is to, so the, there is arrows from each of our types. What the Enneagram shows us is our patterns and patterns in stress and our patterns in growth. And so for a type four to go toward their pattern of growth, they're going to start looking like a type one, behaving like a healthy type one. A healthy, a healthy type one is really motivated by being good, being perfect, doing the right thing. And, and when the type four goes to a type one in in health, they'll start understanding, oh, emotions aren't facts. I don't have to, facts are facts. I don't have to succumb to my emotions. This isn't necessarily real. And tapping into the type one, who is a little bit more black and white, Mm -hmm. they're able to tap into that for themselves and get more perspective. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. So this would be, this would be, I, uh, I feel like it would be like entering the woods with a map. So whether it be for relationships or whether it be for business or whether it be for personal growth to, to know and to understand why you do what you do um, and, and what that looks like when it's working well and also how to circumvent it when it's not working well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I call it a, the ladder. So the Enneagram is the only personality tool that has this built-in ladder. Now I've been working for per, with personality for years, but just recently, uh, comparatively have been like, oh, I'm marrying the Enneagram now. I dated them. I'm marrying the Enneagram because it has this built-in tool that gets you out of the box. It helps you. It kind of catapults you out of the box as opposed to having to Google looking up your, I'm an extrovert. I'm an introvert. Now let me go Google and see what I need to do about that. It, that path, that roadmap is actually built into the Enneagram through this ladder. And the ladder are nine levels of health basically. Mm -hmm. And when you can recognize where you are on that ladder, you can either say, good job, Shelly. Woo, I'm at the top of my ladder. Or you can say, um, it's dark down here because I am at the bottom of my ladder mm-hmm. and at the bottom of my box and the lid is closed. <laughs> when we don't have that map, we can't always recognize. When That's we- so interesting. Can I ask you this? So I've recently heard about something called the polyvagal theory <clears throat> and, it, and, it, and it mimics exactly what you're talking about with respect to the ladder. And at the top of the ladder, we'll call it green, that's when you feel safe. That's when you feel good. That's when you're at your best and you see the world through that lens. In the middle, you have sort of the fight or flight and we'll call that yellow. And so you see the world through, you know, you feel threatened or just like you described the emotions. It's like, is this safe? Like I'm having a strong emotional reaction to this. So I behave accordingly. And that may or may not be true, but you don't have the ability to see otherwise because you're looking through that lens. And at the bottom, you have, it's called dorsal vagal. And it's basically when you're in complete shutdown mode. So would it be kind of something like that when you're, you're at different stages of the ladder, how you act or react? Uh, Yes and no. So the Enneagram is so dynamic. That is the ladder of awareness. Mm. So the, the polyvagal, is that what you called it? 
Um, I've, I've heard you talk about it before, so I, now I need to look it up. <laughs> uh, so very similar to how you just described it uh, as climbing that ladder, the nuance of the Enneagram is it also shows you this pattern of when you're in stress, but also when you're in security at, and at rest. But when you're at rest, not necessarily healthy. So it's two different continuums. So there's a healthy continuum and then there's just not necessarily a continuum per se, but this is how I behave when I'm stressed. And this is how I behave when I'm at rest. And that's, and it's neutral. It's not necessarily healthy and it's not necessarily unhealthy. And so it's helping us recognize when we're just being ourselves, number one, it helps us not be so hard on ourselves when we're just being ourselves. And number two, it teaches us that, okay, we're not quite at our potential, mm-hmm. not necessarily a red flag, but it does, there still is a gap that needs to be closed. Mm. That's interesting to me because my whole jam is story, both telling stories, like getting featured and telling stories, but also reworking your inner story. And it's fascinating for me to listen to you talk about this because it really it's, it's almost like this matrix of stories and how to get them in alignment so they work for you, right? You know, you have the, the story of what the world tells us we're supposed to be. We have the story of what we believe to be true based on our life's experience. And then we have the story of what is the story that I want to put out in the world? Like, what do I want to be? What do I want to be known for? How do I want to work that? You know, like, how do I, what is my flag in the sand? Mm-hmm. And really, um, it can be kind of like, a twisted ball of elastic bands sometimes trying to get it all straightened out. But, but once you realize how story works and how, you know, like you described the Enneagram kind of similar, um, similar premise, once you can figure out how all of that fits together, it really allows you to work everything to your advantage. Yes, absolutely. And there's different strategy for every type Uh, and not just every type, but every person. So even with, I'm an Enneagram type seven. I can put four sevens in a room and I have proof of this because we did this on Monday. <laughs> we had four sevens in a room and we're all completely different because we all value different things and we all have different strengths. And so when you just look at your personality and your motivations that the Enneagram helps you decipher, you're still going to get stuck and you're still not going to know the whole story. And so we're the, we're the writers of that story. We're the ones that are going to have to um, pick up the pen and start writing that. Mm-hmm. What are, so you talked about you being a, a seven. I've heard I'm a four. Um, what are the main characteristics of each type? So the characteristics are, when, when I hear characteristics, uh, and I think when most people hear characteristics, they immediately jump to behaviors. And okay. so you can Google all day long and see and look up memes and stereotypes and kind of get an idea of the behaviors associated with each type. But I like to really drill into people that the Enneagram is about your motivations. Mm. And so um, if I put it in a nutshell, um, type ones want to be good, perfect, and right. Type twos want to be admired and helpful. Type threes want to be successful and achieve, um, accomplished. Type fours want to be special and unique and different. 
Uh, type fives want to be knowledgeable and have information. Type six, sixes want to have, they really value support and community and prepared preparedness. Types seven, type sevens really value fun <laughs> and <laughs> positivity and optimism. And type eights are, they value strength. So they're very motivated by physical strength and um, honor, respect. So those kinds of strengths as well. Type nines are motivated by peace and harmony. Mm. And so those are the things that they, that they are, that those, their patterns of behaviors are trying to achieve those things. And then at the same time, there are things that we are all trying to avoid as well, which is our fears. Right. So uh, it is fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And I would be curious to even sit down. It takes, it takes longer to really figure out truly what your type is. Um, But I would love to just sit down and kind of hash that out and and see if you've been told you were a four, but is Shelly really a four? (laughs) I would totally love that. I'd be totally bad. I was told I was a a big four, little seven, or a wing something or other, but I, I was told I was mainly a four with a, a wing seven, I think it's called. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of confusion around the Enneagram and the Enneagram speak and words just kind of out there. So I actually teach that wings aren't that important because we kind of botch it up anyway. <laughs> Fair. So, so it was like, okay, let's just find out what our core type is first because I consider wings subtypes so let's figure our type first and then we can look at subtypes Mm -hmm. and really our subtypes they don't really tell us where to grow but they can't give us some tactics so that's where I help people with their personality strategy to actually implement their game plans when they come to me totally makes sense so I have loved so much having this chit chat with you this has been so much fun. I um and I need to let my listeners know because they probably don't know this that you and I are friends and that if it weren't for you, I might still be sitting on my podcast idea and it may have not come to fruition, but because of you, here I am going with my personality instead of against it and oodles and oodles of thanks to you for that. And the reason that we were able to cross our paths was this beautiful challenge that that you held Mm -hmm. and you're doing it again. So Mm -hmm. since you're doing it again, please tell the listeners more about it. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for saying yes to your calling to do this because we're all better for it. So um, I'm happy to be even small part of that. Yeah, so the, the story is called Craft a Story the Media Will Share. And so I work primarily with coaches, authors, speakers, entrepreneurs. And, uh, and my background is I've actually been working in media off and on. So sponsorship decks, pitch pieces, uh, marketing junkets for over two decades. And so as a third generation storyteller, and as somebody who has built all of these things, I've, I've watched you know time and time again, what garners a yes and what garners an automatic no. And here's the truth. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And everybody has a story that needs to be heard and a truth that needs to be told. And some of the most powerful stories hinge around a statement that sounds, smells like, sounds like something like, 
And then I realized it doesn't have to be a big dramatic something. It's a shift. It's a realization. It's a small nuance. And some of the best, most powerful stories that ironically have been made into movies hinge around something small like that. So the truth is, yes, we all have a story. And so my job is to help people get that story out into the world, to help it, people hear it, to help people understand it, to help people imbue it and embody it. And so the challenge is starting on Monday, January 11th. It's called Craft a Story the Media Will Share. And it's 100% free. Uh, it is an absolute hoot, but we're going to go over your story, your audience stories, uh, and then put together uh, by the end of it something that I call a significant story which is, um, it's the story of what becomes possible when you work with somebody else. So when you pitch to the media, and again, the media can be um, the media that we know, like TV or radio or print press, but it also can be podcasts or Facebook Lives or virtual summits. Um, it also can be a job interview, to be perfectly candid. It's the way you tell the story and how you tell the story. And so we're starting January the 7th, or the 11th rather, January the 11th, and you can sign up either at yesuniversity.com or you can head over to the Facebook group, Craft a Story the Media Will Share. And again, it's seven days every day, and it's 100% free. Yay. Thank you so much, Shelly. I've enjoyed this time so much with you. Thank you so much. And thank you for saying yes again to doing this, because there are uh, so many people that need to feel seen and feel heard and feel like um, the way they be and the way they do life. Um, many people journey through life thinking they're not getting it right. And so how powerful is it for them to work with somebody like you so that they can uh, they can use their see their strengths as strengths as opposed to detriments because maybe they're not like everybody else. So thank you for saying yes to doing this. So I had to cut it off here before I ugly cried in front of Shelly Varela. <laughs> but thank you, Shelly, for those kind and meaningful words because yes, everyone wants to know their story is significant, that the path that they are are on is the correct path. So I hope to see you, my listeners, on the inside of her Craft Your Story Challenge. I hope you enjoyed listening to our chat and learned something new or found a gap that you're ready to explore so that you can close it. Now there is going to be a part two with Shelly because our after party conversation got really good. <laughs> and I realized that even with self-awareness, we, myself included, we still have to learn to recognize and break these fixations, these subconscious fixations that we have. And you know, what we believe about ourselves and what people tell us about ourselves, they have powerful holds on us. So stay tuned for a future episode to find out what Shelly finds out about herself through the Enneagram. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.